Welcome back to the Corey Lee Show. Y'all got a super, super awesome uh, episode today. I know it's going to have a great conversation today with a, uh, our guest, a new friend. His name is Derek Johnson. Derek is a U.S. Army veteran. He's a life coach trainer, and he's helped over 500 clients, 50 companies go from, you know, not just just surviving to thriving through his coaching modalities and marketing efforts. He's also award, uh, uh, been awarded the Soldier of the Year for his battalion three times. He's received numerous awards for PT and took his leadership skills, certification, and life experiences to help people take control of the mind and body so they can thrive and not just survive. Man, I love that, Derek. And uh, welcome to the Corey Lee Show, man. I appreciate you having me, Corey. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, well, I, I'm looking forward to our conversation because I know uh, the listeners here, they know that my background is medical field, fitness and, and those kind of things. And I know that's nice. part of your background, leadership and all. But before we, we kicked off the uh, recording, um, you, you mentioned you, you grew up in Florida area, but man, you were in Panama City. And when I hear yes. Panama City, I think about where my wife and I went on our honeymoon, but you actually oh, nice. Panama City, Panama. I was talking yeah, about exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. That's good. So uh, my girlfriend, and I just always wanted to move outside of the country. So we did it. We've been here a year and a half now. It's been an amazing experience, but I miss that South Florida go, go, go energy. If people travel, they're familiar with uh, places that have island time, which basically just means everybody's like to get lackadaisical. They're positive people, but it's just like, no, 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 no. And after a while, you're like, I need a sense of purpose and urgency. And I'm military, so I'm like, get out of the way. Why are you walking on the left side of the aisle? Like, <laughs> all these different things where you're like, there's a lot of small things that I miss about the States. But it's been an awesome experience. And I just I just love new beginnings. Yeah. New yeah. culture, new foods, new things, and just have some new knowledge and memories. I feel like that's what life is all about. Memories with the people that you love. So you can sit back and say, hey, you remember we lived in Panama two years. And like, just bringing that stuff up, just have those stories to tell. Yeah, man, I love that. And it's interesting. Sometimes you don't forget about the things you do exactly or the things that you, you say, but those experiences, um, man, it's a powerful thing. But um, and I, I love what you're doing. You're a leader. You're making an impact on the world around you and really developing leaders and and impacting their lives. But that's kind of where you're at today. Take us on the journey. Like, how did you get to the man you are today, Derek? Great question. So growing up, my father was in the U.S. Army. So my dad, he's African-American. He's from Mississippi. He grew up on the farm. So farm boy, um, I, no matter how much I lift, how strong I am, no matter how much I can bench, I'll never beat him in arm wrestling. You know how the farm boy's strength is. Like him and my grandpa, they would just crush my hands when I'd shake their hand. They're just strong dudes. So having that work ethic in the family was always second nature from my father's side. They're all farmers. On my mother's side, my mother's German. So as a child, I grew up in Germany until third grade. So all of my mom's side is in Germany. So if you know Germans, very professional, gung-ho, hyper OCD, and they just get stuff done. So both parents, very strict, drill sergeant dad, and then crazy German mother. So had the work ethic and the education. But with that being said, they both grew up very poor, and they were the oldest of multiple siblings. So they had to grow up really quick. They had multiple brothers and sisters, cousins, everybody was in the house, 12 plus people, all kids. So while their mothers were working, they were playing the parent for all their siblings, cousins, and everyone else. So like they just had to be a parent early. So there's a lot of traumatic things that they went through in their childhood, teenage years, and throughout their life. 
So the older they got, they became very successful with my dad in the army, my mother as a teacher. And then things started to shift when I was in middle school. So they would drink a lot more. And it was never in regards to day drinking, anything like that. It was always after a get together with loved ones, with family, birthdays, things like that. Once the guests left our home in Florida, closed the door, yelling, screaming, violence, just all the stuff would happen. But it was never about me. Something in the past happened. And it started when I was 11. But at the age of 12, I could see it in their eyes that they were not yelling at their son. They were looking through him. So they're looking through me. And in those moments, I was very skinny. I had a stuttering issue. I was insecure, full of fear. I was just very nervous about everything. So the home life between the hours of 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. was very dark for many years, many times out of the many nights out of the year. And then in school, I was getting bullied as well because I was a skinny mixed kid. People didn't know if I was white, if I was black, if I was Mexican. And like, there's a lot of wild stuff going on. So like you had to prove yourself. And so there's a lot going on. And I was just that kid confused. Like we moved from Germany, came to the States. And I was like, what is going on? And so once I got into middle school by fifth grade, that's when I got massively obsessed with fitness and mindset. I told myself enough is enough. I'm tired of getting bullied at home, at school, in public. I have to change my body, not just to be buff and beat up the bully, but more so to be confident in myself. So I picked up every bodybuilding magazine, men's health, the Bible, training programs, Arnold's book, Bruce Lee, like all this information. And then I just started applying it obsessively. And within a year and a half, I completely changed my physique. And then my teachers and classmates and everybody was like, did you go in a hyperbolic chamber? Like, what the hell happened to you? And I just told them, I was like, hey, I just wanted to change myself. And then I was just way more calm. And everybody was like, man, you used to be really scared. Now you public speak. Now you raise your hand in class. Like, what happened? Do you have a twin? And I just told him, I said, no, I made a promise to myself that I would no longer let people control me or give people the reaction that they expected. So the reaction that some family expects could be anger, aggression, sadness, crying, or the bully expects some sort of reaction. So I would give people what they didn't expect, which is usually just calmness and kindness. Even though in my head, it might've been different, but I just said, nobody has control of my attitude anymore from here on out. And I live by that. And then once I was 15, I got certified as a trainer and I started training my teachers, my classmates, my parents, friends. And I just got obsessed with helping people with their overall health, their physique and their performance. But the gateway into getting into this industry in general was just harnessing my own power, working on myself to then helping others as a teen. And then the older I got, I started getting more into psychology because the shift into life coaching occurred when I would see clients that I work with months or years later after the fact of our training duration. And I saw that they'd go backwards, whether it was physically or mentally. And I took it personal because I said, I didn't give him or her the mental tools that they needed to have sustainable results. We didn't do crazy dieting. We didn't do any super crazy workouts. But if they didn't have me in their corner, a lot of them would go backwards. So seeing that happen repetitively with different age groups, it inspired me to get into life coaching. And so from there, I was able to then help people really get rid of those traumas, the limiting beliefs, the bad relationship with foods, the drinking, the smoking, whatever their vices are, those things that were holding them back. 
And once we were able to slowly peel off those things, I could see the light come back to their eyes. And I said, we did it. They're not going to go backwards. And it just gave me, gave me a rush. It gives me chills talking about it because I think of the kid being insecure, getting beat down at home, in school, just all the wild stuff. And nowadays, just being able to give that energy back. So that's a quick synopsis. But at home, went to personal, but everything was in regards to helping others because I truly believe that everybody that's been through trauma, whatever that level or extent was, were given a gift. And I feel like my gift as a kid and a teenager was discernment, mm -hmm. being able to meet people where they're at and slowly build them up or just read a room. Because when you're when there's violence at home, you're hyper aware. You're that quiet kid like, hey, <laughs> so you can start to really read people really well because you're always on edge growing up. So it became the cheat code or the blessing in disguise. And I wanted to use it in a positive way, opposed to going down the other path. Yeah, man, man, that's a powerful, powerful story. I want to ask you, though, you know, I'm, I love your story right there. So you got all this chaos going on around you. And, and it's also a time in your life where you're trying to figure out yourself, too, right? Like a lot of things are changing and those kind of things. I, I, I'm curious, you know, you said you... One of the things I love what you said, you said, I, I determined within myself, basically, and, and a lot of people make commitments, but they don't uphold their own commitments, right? Like we, we like to judge other people based off what they did, but judge ourselves based off of what we intended to do. But man, you upheld a commitment to you. And I, I was curious because there's probably people listening that maybe find themselves in that same situation. Did you when, when you made that commitment to you, did it happen immediately or did you feel like there was a process that actually took place mentally for you to kind of get to that point. It was honestly being so sick and tired of the trauma and just being, I was just a victim. I was in victim mode and survivor mode for so long. And I just got sick and tired of feeling that way. So it was honestly a buildup. The decision was an instant decision and it wasn't that it was easy at all, but the decision overrode me just accepting whatever was happening. I didn't want to accept everything and just be down all the time, depressed and just, having dark thoughts. And I just said, enough is enough. I'm here for a reason. Life is short. And I truly believe God all has us here to flip that pain and to help serve others in whatever way that is, whether that's personal or career. But the progression was just, I got sick and tired of just having pain and trauma and all this stuff happening. The decision was instant, but it was a buildup from all the stuff. Mm. So it just got so much to the point where I was like, I'm going to give in and start to drink like family. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm not doing that or drugs. Like I've never touched a drug in my life. I don't judge others that do, but I chose fitness and then I chose faith to stay calm. So it was more so a buildup of those mixed emotions to then that decision yeah. rather than just making a strong decision is like I had to, or would have gone a different route. Yeah, no, I love that, man. I'm I'm with you there too. And but what what about like post decision? Like I made the decision. Was there still a process where you struggled internally with responding out of fear? I love how you said I responded differently than the way people reacted. Was was that natural once you made the decision, or was there like an internal fight to fear or peace or you know like I don't know if that's a good question to make sense, but it just kinda... no, it, it definitely does. Yeah. yeah, for sure, it was definitely a challenge with the general public because once i once i realized that family was going to be harder excuse me once i realized that the general public was going to be different than family because when i made a decision with family to me it was easier because when you've had thousands of crazy nights with family 
you're like enough is enough. And then you can kind of compartmentalize it. You kind of like go numb to it. So dealing with that in public, I was like, all right, I, we have a beautiful home, but I don't even like being there. I at least love being out around people. So I need to really work on this because most of my life is going to be outside of the home. So that was the challenge from there was working with different ethnicities, personalities, different mentalities and all that. And really working with those people because I knew what extreme was. And I wasn't that good at just like the basic things because I was like, all right, not everyone lives this extreme way. So how do I communicate to somebody that hasn't ever seen trauma? It's like, I can't just talk about dark stuff. So that was definitely the hard thing. But I was also the teen and the kid that never said anything about what was going on because my parents were highly successful. A lot of people knew them in the military in different countries and all that. So to this day, I'm, I'm never one to bash somebody's reputation. So I kept it to myself. And I just did all the inner work to make sure that nobody could tell that whatever was going on. So like one of my best friends, he never even knew what was happening until one day we talked about it. And he was like, that's not happening. And I remember I was like 16 and I laid the phone down and the next morning I saw him on the bus and he was like, holy, because <laughs> he could just hear what was happening. He was like, all right, no wonder you don't sleep. So it was more so knowing how to handle other people outside because I knew how to handle family more because I was always in it. But that was the internal struggle, was knowing how to approach different situations with different people. Yeah, and that's powerful. And one of the reasons I wanted to ask that is because I think some sometimes people, they, they want to find their way out and they may, you know, hear, hear somebody who's come through on the other side. It's like, well, that, that's easy for them. That's easy for them, but it, it, it's not for me. And I love love how you were transparent, how it is, you know, sometimes a struggle like that. And I also love in your story how it could have been easy to be a victim of your circumstance. Kind of like you said, I could have went this route, but I chose yes. another route. And I'd love to hear any thoughts or advice you may have for somebody who may not find themselves in the same circumstance, but instead of being a victim of the circumstance, to actually change that circumstance you got any thoughts or advice for them so a huge component that helped me in regards to perspective so a huge thing that i talk to my clients and friends about is perspective hopping as in imagine version 10.0 of yourself what does he or she look like how's their relationship how are their friendships how's their body how are their finances how's their career how do they view themselves what do they feel when they look in the mirror at themselves what does their bank account on their app say like every area of that individual inside and out and their surroundings and their environment and really writing that down and getting crystal clear to the point where you get chills, you might be crying because of like such excitement about thinking of all those things in detail, but getting all the details and characteristics and traits of version 10.0, then going to current self and saying, what would younger version of me be proud of? And then backtracking. So the intent would be to sometimes you just have to zoom out of the current moment to look at what advice would version 10.0 give my current self? He would tell him or her to do X, Y, Z. Okay. How does my younger version feel about my current? Man, he's so proud of you because technically you're undefeated. You're still alive. You've survived every traumatic situation. So technically you're undefeated unless you die, but you're still here. So look at you undefeated. So like, doing a perspective hop to zoom out to then coming back to the present moment to say, okay, yes, this does suck. Yes, I'm annoyed, whatever that emotional feeling is, but what are we going to do about it before that person creates the what if? Because the what if is very common 
it's an auto response with many people. What if this happens? And then what if that? And what if I don't meet the one? What if I don't have the family? I'm the only one in my friend circle that's not married or doesn't have kids yet. And what if this and what if? And like they just start compounding these what if ideas and thoughts and giving themselves anxiety about something that's not even real, it's fabricated. So when they notice that the what if is beginning, they can pause, breathe and say, all right, I'm feeling this, but what now? I just need to go on a walk real quick, release. Maybe one thing that I talk about to my guys a lot is sometimes you got to cry for two minutes for no reason. Maybe that person's not even sad. They just need to release and let it out. And then they reset and then they're calm and controlled again, rather than holding up the stuff pent in for months and years on end. And one situation can make them trigger. And it's usually not the situation. It's because they're not good at releasing things, whether that's verbally, whether that's emotions, whether that's through fitness or faith. And they're just walking around like a tense ball. So the intent is, can they perspective hop? And do they have control of their reactions by consistently just releasing whatever they need to release? It doesn't mean we have to cry every day. Not saying that, but just sometimes you might have to have a good cry for like one minute for no reason. You're just like, man, I needed that. And then you feel calm and controlled for days or weeks on end. But perspective hopping, allowing yourself to release whatever you need to release. And then last but not least is absorb information of people that you look up to that you can learn their story. So like, let's just say an individual loves sports and they learn about this athlete. They're like, I had no clue they went through that as a teen or in college and this and this. And they're like, it makes sense. No wonder he's so good at this or this business exec, any industry. But if they absorb that information, they're not pretending their situation doesn't exist, but it inspires them because they say, you know what? They're not just from the lucky sperm club. <laughs> they're not just blessed, but they've actually been through some stuff as well. And I can relate to them. And then they can say, you know what? I'm, I appreciate what they did. I'm glad I listened to this. Let me work on myself as well. And that's another version of perspective hopping. Sometimes we just got to learn about somebody else's journey to see and not just think that he or she is just lucky or just got there or totally blessed in every way. So it's just all about perspective because at the end of the day, the most important thing in doing that is can you or anybody push pride and ego aside even for just one second? Can they push pride and ego aside, especially as men? That's one of the biggest struggles. Can we push it aside and say, hey, man, I need help. I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, what do you recommend? That's one of the hardest things for any man to do is to ask for help in whatever regard that is. But once you're able to push pride and ego aside, it feels good to let it out. It feels good to have a conversation, ask for help. And most importantly, just absorb information from people that you admire, that inspire you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that too. And keeping yourself teachable, it sounds like. I love the perspective oh, yeah. hopping that you talked about of, of going, you know, scaling out, looking to the future and, and giving advice there. But I think even the the other perspective that you shared your younger self, um, I, I've probably heard, you know, I'm, the lane that I'm in is, as you are heard, you know, thinking big picture and thinking future tense, but um, it's unique to hear thinking from that younger self forward. And man, that's just powerful. Whenever you think about maybe 10 years back, what would that, oh, yeah. that 28 year old or that 18 year old Corey say, say now and looking at where I'm at, I was like, wow, like you said, giving some positive, positive affirmations, right? Like, exactly. That's, that's powerful. I love that. Um, I, I would let, you know, one of the things that I think I've 
I don't know the statistic that I read, um, but but we're in a generation to where I think there's been a lot more, um, I forget the stat, but uh, the suicidal rates are going up. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of depression. And man, we've got we've got access to more information at our fingertips right now that um, oh, yeah. some of the poorest of the poor in America are still as one percent of wealth in the world. Right. And yet the depression rates and anxiety rates are, are so low. I, and I know you get to work with a, a wide variety of people and you've uh, you know, you, you, you probably have a perspective on this. But I mean, I'm curious, uh, what do you see as causing or maybe a root to that or what, what's what's kind of attributing definitely i think at the end of the day yes some people have a similar situation yes some people have a different situation but on a human level nowadays people's attention span is lower than ever in human history Mm. because of our devices yeah so even if somebody doesn't have a device their attention is somewhere else they're comparing themselves to somebody on facebook they're looking at this the emails the notifications celebrity like all this stuff is going on they're they're out in public there's traffic like everything is go 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 fast pace i can order food it's here at my door in 20 minutes like everything is so fast paced that people don't have control of their attention one and it's rare for them to actually be present in the moment yeah so there's a quote i think it's from napoleon hill he says be where your feet are hmm. be where your feet are and then he asks you to ask yourself are you where your feet are <laughs> so if they're at dinner with their loved ones can they actually be at dinner for one hour without touching a device? Most families, they can never do that. Like Thanksgiving is coming up. So most families, they'll be in the iPad or work. Oh, hey, I need to make this call real quick. Is it that important or is that just a pattern? But can they be present in that moment? Also present in the pain. That's a huge thing that many people don't discuss is the vices stem from them trying to escape the pain or escape what they need to face. That's when the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, whatever their vice is, comes along lack of communication. So instead of facing it, they're like, oh, oh, this feeling is coming up. I I need to go to the bar. Uh, I need to watch five episodes of my favorite show. I need to sleep for two hours, stress sleep, whatever their vice is. It doesn't have to be always unhealthy, but they're scared to face whatever they need to face. So one would be, do you have control of your attention? Hmm. Because everything and everyone wants your attention right now. Apps, family, pets, kids, politicians, celebrities, brands, like everybody wants your attention right now. So the individual that has control of their attention, they can more so control their destiny. And the others are just like all over the place, chickens with their head cut off. But I do think that's a huge thing is people don't have control of their attention and they're rarely present. So the what if of what I mentioned earlier, they're doing that so much or they're so stuck in comparing or thinking that they're not enough that everything is getting amplified and they feel like they can't take anymore, but it's rare for them to actually be present. So like an example that I do every morning, I walk downstairs, I go to the kitchen, I grab my glass of water. While I'm drinking my glass of water, I literally close my eyes and I just imagine the water going out of my stomach. I'm breathing, I'm praying, I'm just present. I hear my dog, her kibble is in the bowl. My eyes are closed and I'm just like absorbing everything and I'm doing it all at once. And just this peace and calmness comes over me. No matter how I slept, doesn't matter. I'm just forcing myself to be present, drinking my first glass of water, saying, thank you, God, I woke up. Thank you, I'm able to drink this water, have my dog. My girlfriend's still sleeping right now. Everything's peaceful. I'm about to crush a workout. Whatever you want to say, but I'm present in that very moment. And then I start my day. But that individual who has control of their attention and can be present, 
they'll be more likely to control whatever situation they're in because they can look at it at a more strategic standpoint rather than just based on emotional response. Yeah, man, that's powerful. I love that. And as you're, you're sharing that, it reminded me last year, I, um, Derek, last year I did this, uh, no social media November is what I did. Right. And I challenged myself. (laughs) And so on my, on my phone, um, I have like my social media app on one spot. And then I, what I told myself was anytime that I went to go hit the social media app would actually hit my Bible app. Right. And that's just something I challenged myself. It was amazing how many times I would just grab my phone and naturally want to go over here to the social media app without even thinking about it. Like it just naturally wanted oh, yeah. to go over there to it, right? So I love what you're talking about of being intentional about where your attention is going. And uh, I love how you even started your day. That's started my day very similar coming up here and, and praying and reading those kind of things. And what about through your day? I, I'd just be curious, what are some things that you do to kind of, you know, catch your own attention uh, throughout your day? For sure. So I always check my state. How is my mental state? We're all human. We'll be annoyed, pissed off, sad. We're we're emotional creatures, so stuff can happen. But you've been on back-to-back calls. You don't feel like doing the next one. You stand there. You're like, am I going to bring this annoyed energy into the next one? Something quick somebody could do is just change their state. I'm currently sitting. Usually I'm at a standing desk. So doing the opposite of what they're doing. If they've been sitting for four hours working, stand up, stretch, walk their dog for five minutes, go outside in the sun, in the rain, whatever it is, just change up their environment real quick. Five minutes. If somebody doesn't have the time, a thing that I recommend for everyone, males and females, sounds funny, but actually physically bark. (laughs) What that does, it's literally like an air horn to your brain saying, halt, whatever emotion or whatever thought is happening. So somebody literally just goes, I'm not going to bark right now, but if somebody somebody just goes five times in a row, they're going to get chills. They're going to get laser focused. And then they're going to be like, what's next? Because they're going to forget whatever was just happening because they're like, this is intense. I have chills. I'm in this zone. Am I, am I about to go on a baseball field? Are we about to fight? Like what is happening? The brain doesn't know. All they did was just interrupt. So sometimes we have the time to do the longer duration things, but sometimes we just need something quick to get out of our own head and to go from there. So that's a huge one I recommend, especially for people that have social anxiety. If they're going to a social gathering, instead of overthinking it, just be in the car, blast some music, bark a couple of times, say, just get hyped, get out of the car and walk as calm as possible. Go in there. Their brain is just like blank and they have chills. And they're like, I don't even know what's happening right now. But it's like the equivalent of somebody taking whatever drug or a couple shots in the car. They just got themselves into a powerful state naturally. They didn't need any substance. And then 10 minutes into the social gathering, they're like, wow, I'm way more calm. I used to just build up this anxiety and just overthink whatever they did. But having a quick response and in the military, we would just say, what's in your toolkit? What can you choose that's at your disposal? Sometimes you need the quick fix of your state. Sometimes you need some time away, but just having options. Always have an option on how to control your state. And another thing in regards to the day outside of checking my state is I just try to send out positive messages, especially when I don't feel like it. The reason why something good always comes back, not that you're throwing things out to expect things to come back, but it could just be a thank you. Somebody was like, I don't even know what made you message me, but I needed that. And when somebody's really in tune with their higher self, with their intuition, with God, something just tells them like, hey, text your second cousin that you haven't talked to in years. And you're like, I don't know why he's telling me to do that, but okay. You text him. They're like, wow, I was having the worst day ever. You randomly messaged me. 
And then you're like, I don't know what just happened spiritually, but this is amazing. They feel good. I feel good. Let's get back to work. And just really being in tune with yourself. Yeah. I love that, man. And uh, I love, um, love what you said, changing up your environment. Cause that, that's what, what you're doing is you just kind of, kind of shift in the mindset. And uh, a oh, couple yeah. of phrases that I personally have used is when I catch myself in those kind of things, just saying interesting, isn't that interesting or up until now or whatever, but I like the bark. I, I haven't done the bark yet. I haven't heard <laughs> that. So um, if, you know, as you guys, I, I challenge you to do that intensely, just like as hard as you can, just three to five times in a row, it'll take you less than five seconds. <laughs> Your eyes, are, I don't know if you played football or baseball, you're just going to get into that ball zone if you play sports and you'd be like, what's next? And you'd be like, I'm going to bring this energy into whatever's next. It's it's an amazing thing. Like it's so abrupt, but all you're doing to the brain is like, hey, shut up whatever thought is happening. Let's interrupt that thing. I just always like to say it's the equivalent of an air horn. So somebody put an air horn to their face and push the button. That bark is the equivalent where it just makes everything stop. And you're like, okay, what's next? Because sometimes the other stuff, we don't have the time or even the energy to try to do the other thing. So sometimes it has to be abrupt. <clears throat> yeah, I like that, Derek. Man, that's a, some powerful advice and good advice. I, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned Napoleon Hill and uh, we've been doing Mastermind Group. I actually been going through his book, Think and Grow Rich with a Mastermind nice. Group at this. I, um, I can tell you a person of, of growth and uh, desire growth. I'm curious what you what you're learning right now, what you're studying now personally. So personally, my favorite book ever, I read it once a year, is Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill as well. If you've never read that, going back to perspectives, I think it's just growing up in trauma and all that. I've always loved the duality of the good and the bad and just like seeing different perspectives. But the conversation is the author had a conversation with the devil and he's just asking him, how do you control and manipulate mass society and family trees? There's no violence about the book. There's no gore or anything like that. It's more so... If you and I are disciplined, he needs to use a lot of energy to get into our head. But he has 2 million people over here that are not disciplined as all at all. And he could whisper in their ear, hey, have one more drink. Mm-hmm. You know what? You can hit snooze five more times. You don't have to go to work. Like whatever those small things are. And that person just starts to drift. And drifters is a term in the book. And hands down, that's my favorite book of all time. It's it's timeless. And anybody I recommend it to at first, we're kind of like, ah, is that going to be weird? They read it. They're like, Oh my God, that just made sense to my whole family tree. I'm like, I'm telling you, these classics are the best. And I also, I think that every book is bounced off of that book. Because hmm. once you read a couple of personal development books, you're like, all right, all these are starting to, starting to sound the same, but applying what we read. But that's my go-to OG book, uh, I call it. That's good, man. I, I actually haven't read that. I've, I've flipped through it um, and and have picked it up a few times and have kind of actually stood in the bookstore and read a few chapters of it. And nice. It's really interesting. There's another book. Um, uh, it's more in the Christian lane. C.S. Lewis wrote one very similar to that, where it's like he's having a conversation with the devil. And yeah, the devil. It's, it's screw tape, screw tape screw, letters. There you go. Yeah. Screw oh, yeah. Tape. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's an amazing one as well. When it comes to perspective, it's just... I think for most people, like if they're open to reading those type of perspectives, it just gives them more clarity opposed to just one sided. And then they can start to see things in a different light, because sometimes when people are in in the military, we say when you're in the suck, when you're in hell, whatever situation you're going in, it's hard to see anything else. Yeah. But when they can on their good days, bad days on any day perspective hop, they can make much better decisions because then they can pause, breathe, take a step back and say, all right, we need 30 seconds before we make a decision. Let's not be reactive. 
let's go proactive. But it's it's amazing to see what people are capable of when they can just pause, assess the situation, and then make a decision rather than just like knee-jerk reaction on emotion. And they're like, oh, I regret that. Now I embarrassed everybody at the family dinner table. <laughs> so pausing, breathing, and then make the decision. Yeah, that's good. I, I would be curious. Uh, I really like the perspective hopping that you shared, and especially the uh, the younger self perspective. And uh, man, I'd love to hear it. What about you? Like, uh, you know, I'm sure you've thought about that before. What, what would you? Oh yeah. What would your younger self uh, advice? Would your younger self give you today? My my younger self would just say, keep being yourself, keep the faith strong, and don't listen to anybody you don't want to end up like. Like that was the hard headed kid and teen, but it was more so surrounded by people I didn't want to end up like and no harsh feelings to any people. But I just didn't take anybody's advice that didn't have exactly what I wanted, because in the area that I grew up in, people played a character and we could see through that. And I was like, I don't want to end up like that because like my parents would be at cookouts and I was the DD even before I had a license. I was driving them everywhere and I would just people watch. I was a quiet kid. And I was like, all right, they walked out of the room. Now they're gossiping, gossiping about them. Now they went over here. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I don't watch reality shows, but I grew up seeing a reality show. I'm like, this is how I don't want to be when I'm older. I'm like, this is weird, but I learned so much. So in the moment I was like, this is annoying. But the older I got, I was like, I learned so much about people just sitting there. Cause I had to drive them everywhere. Just watching people. And I was like, this is some wild stuff. They're dating them and they have this and they have this ex-husband. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> so I was like, yep, that's definitely the, the route that I'm not going. Yeah. But yeah, so in regards to the younger version, he would definitely just say, keep your face strong, keep being yourself and only listen to people that you would want to end up like. And not judging anybody, but just at our core, we can sense it, we can feel it and just have that level of discernment where you're like, you know what? They purely mean what they say. They're not just trying to pitch something or play a character. So everything is at an energy standpoint and a faith standpoint. Yeah, man. I love that advice, man. That's, that's, that's so good. And, and I, man, I, I can hear it in your voice too, man. I have no desire whatsoever to, to be, be fake or I don't even like the fake stuff. And and because people can smell it a mile away, right? You you can see it. Oh yeah. Um, and people can sell, see it on you eventually. Uh, if if I'm inauthentic, people will be able exactly. to really see that. And and the reality is uh, exactly what you're saying is that God created you unique. He's created each person unique. And I my, I firmly believe if you believe if you knew who God created you to be, you wouldn't want to be anybody else anyway. So um, exactly, love that. Derek, uh, man, I've truly appreciated you coming on. And I think you've added a ton, a ton of value to our listeners. And uh, man, I want to ask you, is there is there anything else stirring up within you that you feel that, man, just want to want to throw out there to encourage people who are listening today? Yeah, for sure. So two things. The first thing is in those key moments where he or she does not feel like getting out of bed, making that call, doing that thing telling themselves out loud and in their head, people depend on me. Mm. People depend on me. Doesn't mean they all have to have kids. It could be the stranger down the road that watches them walk, the little kid that looks up to you, somebody online that needs to hear your message. Whatever it is, somebody out there depends on you because you can make their day. And when you start to think of those people in the moments that were being selfish, because that's why we keep hitting snooze and keep grabbing the snacks and the beer, whatever the thing is, we're selfish. 
But if we think of others and say, how would they feel seeing me do this thing? They look up to me. And then making that decision based on our conscience and faith, and they'll start to drift towards the person that they do want to be. And they start to like just stack those wins when they think, wow, two weeks, this person didn't do what they used to do, whatever that thing was. But telling themselves in those key moments before they hit snooze, grab the beer, whatever they, they would do, drift and scroll on social media for 20 minutes and waste time. They're just like, people depend on me. They need me in a good state. Let's get the freaking work. That's the first one. People depend on me, reminding ourselves of that. And we're being selfless. So being selfish for a moment, taking care of what we need to take care of, that makes us better. And then we give off good energy all day long. So I'd much rather people positively affect people than negatively infect them. Hmm. And then the last one is just challenging people to what can you do to become the man or woman that you would be proud of? And how can you give that individual to the world? What can you do to become the man or woman that you would be proud of? And how can you give him or her to the world, whether that's personally, career, whatever area they choose. But I feel like that's why God has us all here. We go through pain, we go through trials and tribulations, but once we can teach others and we can share from our heart, then it all makes sense and makes people feel like they can connect with others. And I feel like that's what it's all about. Yeah, man, that's powerful. That's great advice right there. Well, Derek, uh, I know you've added a ton of value to me, and I know you have to our listeners as well. And so if so if somebody's listening, they want to connect listening, with they you want to connect. and follow you on social media or find out more about what you do, or may, maybe want to want to ask about your 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 fitness coaching and life coaching, those kind of things. How do people uh, how would they connect with you? They can find me on social media at fit with Derek. D-E-R-I-C-K, the correct way to spell Derek. Fit with Derek 2, with the number 2. And then my coaching site is fitwithderek.com. On there, I just like to show real people with real results. So they'll see pictures and videos of clients. And my favorite thing is the testimonial videos to see them talk about their journey of their past struggles, where they are now, and they can sense their energy, see it in their eyes. And then my whole intent with social media is literally just to plant seeds, I like to make people uncomfortable because I hate seeing people waste potential. So if he's eating the snacks, ordering too much Uber Eats, he sees my video, he's like, oh man, he's calling me out. Let me get my ass on the on the bike or on the treadmill. But that's the whole intent is just to get people to step up because life is short and people are looking up to you. I like it. So fitwithderek.com. We'll have that in the show notes below. I appreciate it. Derek, thanks for coming on the Corey Seal RY, the proper way to spell Corey Lee show. There you go. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, man, I know Derek has added value to you. And if he if he's you know shared anything that has stood out to you, make sure you comment below and I can pass that along to him or reach out to him. And make sure you like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with any of the future episodes of the Corey Lee Show. Appreciate you guys. Hope you have an awesome day and God bless. <laughs>